Welcome to our podcast. You made it. You, you, you've come so far. Oh, look, you, it's been raining outside and you're all wet. Come on in. S- take a seat. Take your coat off. Don't get, get, make yourself a cup of cocoa. Don't get the throws wet. <laughs> Welcome to the worst podcast. Um, um, I'm Beatrix. I'm Harry, and uh, that intro was suitably terrible <laughs> for the uh, for the for the horrors and the terrors we've got in store for you. We're going to take you on a journey today <laughs> through history's worst inventions. Yeah, um, we've got some quite we've got some stonkers. We've got we? some absolute stonkers, and um, I learned a lot when I was researching. Um, um, Pre warning: there is a lot of death there's involved. There's quite a lot of death. It seems to be the worst inventions do involve. A little, a smattering of death, a healthy smattering of death. Yeah. Um, although I did have a lot of fun researching this. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny. I mean, the people, the way these people dies, is uh, is objectively funny, and I'm sure that they would, they would be happy. You know, a couple of years later, we're we're chortling away. Beatrix and Harry doing a podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, is so it, they they we survived. We're them very and, selective in our uh, research. So. Yeah, we've we've got an absolute treasure trove. I think there's nothing left. Let's just just say, just hold on tight, fellas. We're going to dive straight into let's, the deep end. Let's kick this pig. Let's get going. Sit down, relax. Get yourself another cup of cocoa. Um, and uh, put some light jazz on, but not yeah. too loud because you know you don't want to be you know you know there's a lot going on if you're going to have jazz really loud. <laughs> Make it some smooth jazz. Um, yeah. So we'll recommend some smooth jazz in like an episode in like a description somewhere. We'll, we'll link to you some jazz you should be listening to. Right, and on that note, let's go. Okay, so I think we're going to kick this off with one of mine first, right? Right. Um, so the first guy I'm going to talk about is a uh, triple whammy. Triple. He's 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 had a history of pretty pretty poor inventions. Being silly. Um, and his name is uh, Doctor Thomas Midgley. Midgley is that how you say it? Midgley. Midgley. <laughs> you researched this. It's a tr- it's got a lot of consonants. How's it that? Um, so his first invention was something called tetraethyl lead. Say that again. <laughs> what was that? One more time. Tetraethyl lead. I had to hyphenate it because yeah. I had to spit <laughs> up the. <laughs> um, and it's better known as um, leaded gasoline. Oh yeah, I know leaded. Ga- we all know yeah. leaded gasoline. Harry, yeah. this you're, you're a chemist now. You know yeah. these co- <laughs> chemical compounds. Um, so he worked at a General Motors company in 1921 in the USA. Mm-hmm. And uh, he discovered that by adding lead to gasoline, the engine would no longer do something called knocking. Oh, I've heard of this. Go on. Is that when like air is trapped in it or something? Yeah. Is that right? No, oh, oh. but I'm actually not totally honest <laughs> myself. That's right. That is a that you can you can look us up. Beatrix and I, Harry Stocker, we that is what it is. We're multidisciplinary. And we're per- sure we are. We are hundred percent sure. So be sure to um, multidisciplinary to email us uh, to call us. Uni just, students just show up at our doors and and. And like shake us by the shoulder. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Okay, so for those of us who aren't Harry Stocker, yeah. um, knocking. That's, that's a lot of people. Like that. That's, <laughs> so that's a significant number of the population. Yeah. Um, so knocking is a sharp metallic sound. Um, it's produced in the internal combustion engine of a car, and is caused by the low octane number of gasoline. Um, so this basically essentially helps the engine run smoother. Okay, so. There's a problem with the knocking. It's a problem with cars. Your boy Midgley, your boy Midgley's come on in and he's gone. You know what? Done. Solved it. Fixed it. Uh, yeah, and he so actually. Thank you, thank you, Thomas Midgley. Yeah, what good went, guy. This has gone well so far. He went on oh, why to. Why is this the worst yeah. invention? Ah, ah. Dot dot dot. Hang on a minute. <laughs> so he went on to win what some would say would be a rather niche medal. Uh, it's called uh, the use of. How many medals have you got? 
Ju- uh, I'll bore you. Bore, yeah, yeah, sorry. It'll, it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be too long. Um, so it's called the use of anti-knock compounds in motor fuels. There's a medal for there's, that. There's a medal for that. Right, no, there's not. Um, Midgley's made that up. <laughs> but this triumph does not last long. Uh, two years later, in 1923, Midgley contracted lead poisoning. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. Is that got anything to do, perhaps? With the leaded gasoline? Yeah. Hmm. Well, we'll see. Um, <laughs> but um, not only this, in the space of a year, the company faced 15 deaths oh and many God. lead-related illnesses, such as lead poisoning, hallucinations and insanity. <laughs> oh, that's Maybe you have lead poisoning. Oh, pipe down. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so needless to say, a bit of a flop. Uh, <laughs> alas, our story does not end here. Oh, no. Uh, at a press conference to demonstrate the apparent safety of leaded gasoline, Dr. Midgley poured it over his hands and inhaled its vapour for a minute. <laughs> um, what? That is confidence. An important... You cannot knock, I think, <laughs> you cannot knock his... You can't knock it. You can't knock that. His enthusiasm and commitment to the to the anti not the use of anti not compounds in motor fuels medal. (laughs) (laughs) You got another medal. No, the same medal. You got the same medal, right? Um, Right. I I think I think you might have renounced. (laughs) How many people were? Can I? Sorry to come back to the medal thing, but how many people were up for that medal? How many men? Jacken has a lot of front runners. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be well disappointed if I was runner up for that. I'd be furious. You 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 get snubbed. You get snubbed for the. I don't know. I don't know what's called. Extremely long niche title yeah, medal, yeah. um, but as a, an important note to slide into discussion here um, is that evidence suggests that high atmospheric lead levels have been linked to serious long-term health problems from childhood, including neurological impairment, Ooh. and with increased levels in violence in cri- in, and criminality in cities. Oh, so so he he's, changed, a, he's a bit rubbish, he isn't he? Urban population. <laughs> yeah. This guy. What? How the hell? Get a load of this guy. Oh, this guy. Come on, winning one medal needs to yeah. change the world. So I think, needless to say, Midgley proceeded to, keep, to contract lead poisoning yeah. and the programme was stopped. Oh, no. That was his first invention. So you think if that's pretty right, bad. So that's start, that's start for 10, is it? Mm. Okay. Right. So his second invention was not much of a winner either. Uh, he created another chemical compound called chlorofluorocarbons. What was that? Again? Do you want me to say that? Chlorofluorocarbons? Chlorofluoro- I think I'm saying... Chlor- Chlorofluorocarbons. Yeah, chlorofluorocarbons. Yeah. Come on, I'll pass you over to the chemist. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> um, perhaps better known as CFCs, that's what I'm going to call it. Oh, of course, CFCs, because I, C- I didn't know chlorofluorocarbons. But CFCs, I know... C- yeah, CFCs, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so they were designed to replace toxic, flammable and explosive ingredients. Flammable. Flammable. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and explosive ingredients used in air conditioning and refrigeration devices. Um, it also regularly occur- occurred in asthma inhalers and aerosol spray. So he's he's made pretty pretty significant progress. Yeah, in that's a, two... that's a broad range of, of things. Yeah, uh, perfectly innocent invention, you might say. I would I would say I'd almost say wrong. <laughs> 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 uh, the ultraviolet uh, radiation present in the atmosphere breaks down CFCs, freeing the chlorine. Uh, chlorine can destroy large amount of large amounts of the ozone and has been observed oh particularly over Antarctica which I would say so, the worst part of the world to have a gap in the ozone layer <laughs> you kind of need that <laughs> so to recap quickly so he wins one medal and changes urban populations f- to be more violent and <laughs> melts and melts the ice caps yeah single guy single handedly th- there's, a, there's a pretty there's a pretty big statement by a historian which I'll tell you in a minute oh, um, so um yeah, so as a result, 
As a result, levels of genetically harmful ultraviolet radiation has increased. Right. Thanks, mate. Appreciate that. Yeah. Could have done without that. So that's tick, second tick. Tick. Or second cross, more like. Tick. Um, so he made these compounds unwittingly aware of the environmental impact and the long-term issues he unleashed into the world. You'd hope um, so, wouldn't you? Unless he's an absolute monster. Yeah. God, you can imagine doing that. <laughs> hey, guys, we're right there. And <laughs> um, so, although although he made these uncom- these compounds originally, the the environmental historian J. R. Uh, McNeil suggested that he achieved the highest environmental damage of any one organism. Oh my god, one organism! I mean, I can't imagine he's there's no a longer, lot. Of, he's no longer a man. A lot of other o- organisms on the planet producing this amount. Of yeah, life. I think he's kind of the front runner. He'd, you'd bloody hope so, wouldn't you? Yeah. So the tr- the, the hat trick in this. Yeah. Um, three for three. Let's hear yeah. it. Yeah. So the icing on the cake. In 1940, what a he cake. Uh, he when he was 51, he contracted. This is another. This another. <laughs> Poliomyelitis. What was that? Poliomyelitis. You one more time. Poliomyelitis. <laughs> <laughs> My dad's going to be laughing at me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not the right thing. Sorry, Wayne. Um, so this left him severely disabled. So oh. he just he devised a machine involving ropes and pulleys to lift himself out of bed. But in <laughs> no. 1944, oh, yeah. All right, okay. he became entangled <laughs> in the device oh, no. and died of strangulation. Oh man. <laughs> so what? He's done. This dude this did not was not successful. No. Oh, well, he, was, I think he was successful he, in he, uh, if he wanted to like pollute the world, I make think people violent and kill himself. Then like then yeah. By whose standards are we yeah, judging exactly. his, his so success? You, I'm gonna do some uh, some some revisionism on uh, Midgley and just say Is he that was he I like think that? I think we're not giving he, he did actually make quite a lot of inventions that were Good, but his legacy is tainted is, by the fact that I mean, three of them were yeah, pretty rubbish. Pretty, put on that oopsie reel. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Big old oopsie. Right, next up, uh, we've got a fella by the name of, oh, this is a good name, Sylvester H. Roper. Uh, not to be confused with Sue Sylvester, the coach from Glee. <laughs> no, you don't want to make that mistake. That happens all the time. Um, <laughs> he's a 19th century inventor from Boston. He invented quite a lot of cool stuff. Uh, so, first off, the, the shotgun choke. Which is like a thing you like screw onto the end of a muzzle, and it kind of directs the the burst of of um, what's it called? I think it might be called bullets. Y- yeah, not bullets, but like yeah, when you when you fire a shotgun, um, like buckshot, whatever. Pet word depends. The shot, yeah. So it directs the shot a little, so it's just a little bit more accurate. He invented a steam carriage, which he would be, he'd drive around in, which everyone was very impressed with. Um, Lovely. And Lovely. he also invented a hot air engine, um, but my favourite mode of travel <laughs> well there's another one for you and this is what was undoing eventually uh, he also invented a steam powered bike which actually was really good worked really a well steam powered bike mm-hmm. but isn't the point of oh you mean like a kind of like a it motorbike kind of like a motorbike yeah so in 1896 while riding one of his new steam powered bikes um, in which he was he was like absolutely booking it around this racetrack he was absolutely he was hauling absolute ass shredding 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 rubber um, and he was he was Again, he was like riding with um, cyclists, like, and there was a few professional riders, uh, just to like, just, and he was just lapping them. He, like, was, just, he was like, <laughs> just so, so doing yeah. circles around. So them. yeah, yeah, so yeah. Every, every time I went past. <laughs> Say that again. So yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, he reached a mile, so he went a mile in two minutes and one second, and reached speeds of forty miles an hour. But dot, dot, dot. he lost control, came off the bike, and was found dead. But people don't know because he was seen like swerving, and apparently had a heart attack, and people don't know if. He crashed 
and then had a heart attack or had a heart attack and then crashed. Oh yes, I think I did come across that's that's a big yeah. boob. Stupid death, stupid <laughs> death. <laughs> but nevertheless, Sylvester H. Roper, a uh, bit of a legend, um, died as he was just booking it around, just ma- making an absolute fool. What a way to go. What a way to go. Making a fool out of some cyclists, which is, you know, what a, is there any better death for any man? Um No. Okay, this fella. Good name. Another good name. This podcast has been full of good names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, lots of them are hard to pronounce. Yeah, this guy's Russian. Um, Valerian Abakovsky. Valerian Abakovsky. Valerian Abakovsky. So he worked... So he he was around the 1920s. Um, 1920s, my favourite era, nice. Yeah, he worked as a chauffeur for the Cheka, um, who were like a Soviet state uh, security organisation. So access to top of, like, the upper echelon. Uh, and he invented a, the aero wagon, which is a. <laughs> You're an aero wagon. <laughs> what do you call me? Uh, which is a high speed rail car fitted with an aircraft engine and a giant propeller on the back. Oh, measure. I've got a good story to follow this. All right. Well, hey, this is fun. This, <laughs> yeah. is, this is a good one, yeah. So it was built in mind uh, for transporting high ranking Soviet officials discreetly and quickly. Uh, for some reason, um, they decided to test this with like high-ranking officials. Um, <laughs> let's let's get yeah. these upper echelons. Yeah, exactly. And the, the viscounts and the aristocracy. Yeah, so put the, them in some aero wagons yeah, and the, see what happens. Picture this thing are, are absolutely mental. First run uh, was from Dula to Moscow. Dula. Don't ask me how. That's long a that. strong name as well. Yeah. Don't ask me how long that is because I don't know. Um, but when? Well, so Wait, from where to Moscow? From Dula. Oh, I thought it was a person. Okay. Uh, on the return trip, though, the aero wagon. Um, can I? Can I just? Is there death involved in this? Well, <laughs> <laughs> on the return trip, however, the aero wagon derailed, uh, killing six of the twenty-two aboard, including our hero Abakovsky. Abuk- Abakovsky. Um, Valerian Abakovsky. Valer- Valerian Abakovsky. Um, and like I said, they they tried this thing with high-ranking officials. The rest of people who were killed were like these international diplomats. Mm. So a bit of a oopsie. A bit. It was a bit. Keen bean. Quite confident. Keen bean. It was. You know, your eggs were in one basket. And uh, Valerian died. He was only twenty-five. Oh, he so. was a young old boy. He was a young bean. That that story reminded me of one that I had. Yeah. Um, one of my favourites actually. Um, flying tanks. <laughs> And so the original plan was to tow these flying tanks behind aircraft. This is in World War Two, mm-hmm. um, it, it behind aircraft, and then they will glide into battle. Sort of. What? I'm imagining like an elegant sort of swan transcending down to the ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, How so? Glide. So they um, they were attached to an an aircraft, being towed behind it, oh. and then the <laughs> the the goal was to let them glide down onto the battlefield to help the soldiers on the ground. Right. Um, right, but I think it's safe to say the project was abandoned as no aircraft was A, power enough to uh, tow a tank mm-hmm. and B, due to the significant amount of effort required to land and take off with just one tank. Surprise. I, I can't, Can surprise. you fathom how heavy a, heavy a tank Man. is? I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say they're very aerodynamic either. No. What an... I know this is the whole point, but what a what a terrible idea! <laughs> what a terrible, terrible idea! You know, I know that. Yeah, like I said, like we're here to discuss terrible ideas. That's a bo- that's a bad one. Definitely, that's up a, there. that sucks. That stinks. Um, I could I, if it worked, that could have been scenes. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. But um, no, it a- didn't. Absolutely so. shocking. I can't think why. Hence why it is in the podcast. 
For this one, we're going to go a little bit further back in time. Dipping into the ancient dipping our world. Dipping, dipping our toe into the into the pool of Ooh. ancient Greece. Gosh, you classic student, I this know. is your forte. I know, this is it. I've been waiting, the whole, waiting all afternoon for this. <laughs> so, uh, this is kind of a myth, but it's still a really cool story. Uh, this is about, per- this is what, Perilos of Athens. Okay, Perilos of Athens. There once lived a very cruel tyrant by the name of... Uh, Perilos of Athens? No, 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 oh, no, no. sorry, getting ahead of myself, yeah. sorry. Uh, of, called Phalaris, uh, and he was the ruler of a city-state on the island of Sicily. He rose to power through cunning and deceit. And cunning he, and deceit. Yeah, they, he was entrusted to build a temple of Zeus. And he was like, yeah, sure. Uh, just make me a charge to do that. And everyone did. And then he was like, right, sick. <laughs> and then he just remained in charge. So very cheeky. Um, cheeky chappy. He was known for his flagrant cruelty. His what cruelty? Flagrant. You're going to have to tell me what uh, that means. Like, obvious. Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. No, no, he's not hiding he's anything. He's not hiding it. Well, I'll tell you how he's not hiding it. He was rumoured to eat babies. <laughs> that is... That is. I mean, it's, it is worth noting. I mean, cannibalism isn't great, but babies... babies... Yeah, it's worth noting that this, this has kind of been dismissed by some people, some scholars as just being, like, propaganda. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I mean, eating babies, you know, grain of salt. Not on, ba- not on the babies. Well, you could salt the babies. You could salt the babies before eating them, but... <laughs> I feel like they're better without salt. Oh! Family recipe legs. Family recipe legs. That okay. So one day, um, using uh, perhaps his tyrant's uh, want of an unspeakable suffering as a certain divine muse. I like the sibilance used there. Thank you. Unspeakable suffering. (laughs) Unspeakable suffering. The court sculptor, the titular Perilos of Athens, has had a little surprise for Phalaris. (laughs) He presented the brazen bull. A life-size bronze, completely hollow bull sculpture. Is this similar to the Trojan horse? Except um, real. Well, not necessarily real. It's similar in the sense it's a hollowed-out animal. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. No. So basically, no. Basically, no. Basically, basically, shut up. Shut, 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 shut up. Shut up. Um, so on the side was a door, um, and inside was a complex system of acoustic gadgetry. Acoustic gadget. Acoustic this is a good story. Your, Thank you. your performance here is great. <laughs> I appreciate that. Phalaris uh, looked on blankly, and Perilos elucidates. This isn't any old. This isn't any old sculpture. Oh no! You see, this burns men alive. The door opens as so. The poor wretch goes in, pop it closed, stoke the fire you've got underneath, and wait for the bronze to get hotter and hotter and hotter. And torture device. Yeah, that's not even the best bit. All the acoustics inside, you won't hear a man scream. You'll hear a bull grunt and <gasps> bellow. Yeah. Whoa. So yeah, so it's like a big. Oh, it's like an oven. You just get chucked in. So have you seen um, Red Riding Hood? <laughs> yeah. The twenty fourteen adaption. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. I haven't. Uh, a similar thing there. Okay. But it uses a torture device rather than a killing device. Yeah. This is quite well. I I I urge you to watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, me and the listeners at home. Um, <laughs> So even Phalaris think the baby eater is like, hmm, bit much, mate. Imagine being called baby eater. Well, I'm. And thinking that was too much. I'm, yeah, exactly. So he asked Perilos exactly how it works. If you wouldn't mind showing him uh, the acoustics, because they're such like they're such a marvel after all. Flattered, Perilos scurries in, and immediately like that, the doors just slams it behind him, and the brazen bull claims her first victim. The bellows of the beast echo across the palace walls. Right, my turn. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. That can't be. 
that how you're starting? Yeah. All right, okay, sorry. My turn. My turn. (laughs) So this one is, um, it's called the cotton gin. And a seemingly innocent invention with huge repercussions. Uh Uh-oh. As all of our stories have started so far. Humble beginnings. Um, So the machine itself wasn't actually that bad. In fact, it was a fantastic piece of machinery. And it was very, very, very good at what it did. What does it it do? I'll get onto that. Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry. Uh, But it was the mere existence of the machine that caused some horrendous repercussions. So this machine was created by a man called Eli Whitney in the late uh, 18th century. Mm -hmm. And was designed to quickly... uh, and easily separate cotton fibres from their seeds. So it used a wire screen and small wire hooks to pull cotton through, uh, cotton through the the um, screen. So is it for, like textiles? It's just for, forever. So book bindings, coffee filters, uh, linen, clothing. Okay, cool. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and it had brushes which removed loose cotton lint to prevent jams. So it was a very, very nice piece of machinery. <laughs> Um, and of course, it enabled much greater productivity than um, manual labour. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, it took one slave uh, ten hours to separate a pound of fibre from seeds, uh, but a team of two slaves could produce fifty pounds in just one day with the Ooh. machine. Wow! But blah, blah, blah. the irony of this invention is the very thing it aimed to reduce. It ended up increasing by fivefold. Uh-oh. So the purpose. What could that be? <laughs> So the purpose of the machine was to reduce slavery, um, as, to re- <laughs> re- as to replace the slave work with the machine. Oh, no. Um, so it could clear up to 50 punts, which is 23 kilograms of lint per day. But because it was just so amazing, it caused a boom in the American cotton industry. Oh. And therefore, more slaves were needed to grow and <laughs> harvest the cotton. Oh. So a large part of the economy became dependent on plantations oh, in, a sad one. <laughs> in, in the south of the USA. Um, so essentially we see a surplus amounts of slaves oh. coming in, which actually, not funny. That's not funny. That's, that's not really, that's not, you can't slap your thighs to that one. No, nah, no. Nah. So as cotton production expanded um, from 750,000 bales in 1830 to 2.85 million in 1850... And the number of slaves went from 700,000 in 1790 to around 3.2 million in 1850. So by 1860, black slaves in America made two-thirds of the world's supply of cotton and 80% of British markets. So a rather fabulous invention (laughs) with a very sinister undertone. And furthermore, Harry, uh, due to its effect on slavery and how it drove the southern cotton and textile economy, the cotton gin is frequently cited as an indirect cause of the American Civil War. Wow, so... Wow, so that's a high price paid for cotton, isn't I it? definitely think that deserved a place on the West yeah. inventions. Well, that's the thing. That's, that's a weird one where it's a great invention, just... Woof. Bad, everything else terrible. Everything else just... <laughs> everything else uh-uh. awful. <laughs> no. Chalk that up on the uh-uh list. Yeah. So, so time for we've got, we've got time for one more long one, and then we've got some little quick fire ones at the end. So this inventor is a man called Horace Lawson Hanley, which is a great name. Another gr- another, another brilliant name. We are we are we four should marks, do we good should names. It kind of needs a, a podcast to itself. Good yeah. Or the worst names. The, the best names. I feel like they would be very quick fire, though, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be a. It would just be like it would be a, a list. It'd be yeah. a list-based podcast. I don't know how popular they are. We digress. We digress. So Hunley was a marine engineer and designed submarines in the American Civil War. 
Uh, he's a Confederate. Uh, these submarines were powered by uh, by man. Um, so like powered man, by man. By man. By man. <laughs> Uh, a crew of eight would sit inside the submarine and power the propeller by turning a crank that ran through the middle of the submarine. Okay. Visualise that. So like round and round, your arms are going round and round yeah, in front and, of you. And the propeller is going... Okay, oh, that, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so you've got seven dudes, turns the propeller, and then... That you... feels like a lot of effort. Yeah, well, I imagine, yeah. Just a few a few gym sessions. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then you've got one guy, you've got one helmsman at the back just piloting it. Um, roll, roll, roll. <laughs> yeah. Um, Honey realised that the South would never be able to take on uh, the more industrial North's uh, modern navy, um, and so it'd have to be a bit ingen- have some ingenuity, some cunning. Right. Uh, and for the most part, the submarine is quite successful, if not deadly. The first iteration of the sub was called the Pioneer, but it was scuttled to prevent the designs falling into the hands of the North when they uh, when New Orleans fell in 1862. Um, so they're so they're, okay. they're building a submarine. The North, the North invade, quick, they hide, hide it. They, they um, doesn't want someone to steal his design. Yes, yeah, so they pile out. They they pilot it to a deep bit of the lake and sink it on purpose. Okay, so it's not in the sea. It's yeah, it's in like a lake. Okay. Um, a second version called the American Diver sunk during a particularly violent storm in Alabama. Uh, the third submarine. Now this is the this is the this is one we're talking about. Um, was self-funded by self-funded by Hunley now and bore his name. It's called the H.L. Hunley. Um, so we've got to be a little bit careful here. Okay. <laughs> because the invention is called is named after the man who made it. Okay. So hopefully, if you're listening right, the context should be perfectly clear when I'm talking about the submarine and when I'm talking about the guy. Just use, okay. your, use your brains, all right? All right. All right. All right, listener. All right, listener. Use your, use your noggin. Use your, you're not using your brain. Your brain. Your brain. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1863, the Confederate Army took over. So now the army have got it. They're like, great submarine. Let's have a look. Uh, a new crew climbs aboard and a little bit of conjecture here now because disaster strikes either due to a new captain initiating early submerge by mistake or uh, water washing over the hatches for a passing boat so like so a boat passes so the boat, uh, the boat wait, passes so down like a little the, wave the uh, submarine isn't closed yet exactly yeah okay. either way uh, it sinks prematurely and Hunley and the Hunley sinks yeah, so the Hunley sinks prematurely and takes five men with her Hunley himself Watching in horror from the banks. So the submarine Hunley dies sub- with the people on it. Yeah. So, so the person Hunley is, survives. Is watching. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't in. He's watching from. But. The- oh. But 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 they salvage it, and despite not being part of a regular crew, a later test in October is commanded by Hunley himself. So now they sunk first. Five people died. Okay. They brought it back up, and the Hunley's like, right, I'm doing it myself. That doesn't sound like that's going to end well. Well. I'm gonna. I'm just. G- <laughs> I'm just going to put that there. I'm going to place my bets. Okay. He announced that the sub would submerge underneath the CSS Indian Chief, which is like a boat, right? And would re-emerge on the other side. Once in the water, the H.L. Hanley wasn't seen again for weeks. The vessel was salvaged two weeks later, found stuck in the mud of the harbour's bed. All eight men, including Hanley, were lost. So is this because they weren't rowing fast enough? Uh, so it just well, they sunk to the rowing, bottom. They'd be cranking. Cranking, yeah. But I think what happened was it submerged. It, so it submerges, went too, it went too deep, got, and then it hit the mud at the and at got the stuck. Yeah. Um, right. But this is not where the story ends. Oh my goodness! I know. Another plot twist. Yeah, it was salvaged again. Again. But please don't tell me that another person <laughs> tries it out. Well, 
Yeah, they do. <laughs> uh, but, like you said, so the danger of the sub wasn't lost on the Confederates. Confederate General um, Beauregard, I think it is, says, it is more dangerous to those who use it than to the enemy. Because at this point... You... So is the point in the submarine to get people from A to B, or is there like war, no, no, is it... there war um, I'm fair gl- on I'm it? I'm so glad you asked. Oh, um, I, that wasn't even scripted. <laughs> <laughs> Don't pull the curtain too back too much. Um, so yeah... Uh, it's time for it's time to scrap with it. And bear in mind, at this point, you've had thirteen people die. Thirteen people die. Um, like sailors die who are trying to use it. They're 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 putting all their faith in this machine, aren't I know. they? So, the plan was simple. Was it? It was actually a very simple plan. Uh, a, to- a torpedo-tipped spa, which is a very fancy okay, way... Okay, another another right. good one. A to- a torpedo-tipped spa. <laughs> torpedo-tipped spa. Torpedo-tipped spa. Should we use that as our vocal warm-up? Yeah, we should do. <laughs> Uh, which is a fancy way so torpedo tips bar is a very fancy way you have to say it in such a funny accent I don't I don't you're right I'm sorry I'm being, I'm being silly a torpedo tips bar is it, which is a very fancy way of saying a big bomb on a stick a bomb on a stick that's what it is So uh, excuse me sir can I order one bomb on a stick please? oh you mean a torpedo tips bar you're awesome. um, so they'd sneak up on the USS uh, who <laughs> uh, who's the tonic who's the tonic uh, one more time who's the tonic one more time who's the tonic thank you uh, and they'd ram the hull with the spar and either detonate it on impact or by remote. It said either or. I feel like they're kind of a big distinction. Wait, what was the two so, options? So, uh, explode on impact when you stab it in or, so or you've got stab a bomb, it in. bomb on a stick. Yeah. If you stab it at something... It explodes. And then it explodes. Or, or you stab it... You stab it into something and then it explodes later on. So you stab it and it immediately explodes or you stab it and it takes time to then detonate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got it? <laughs> yeah, I didn't quite get it the first time. <laughs> okay, cool. Right, so yeah. Uh, and, right, here we go. <clears throat> I'll set the scene. It's quarter to nine. It's nine in the afternoon. No, 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 it's the evening. It's evening. Oh, sorry. So you jump the gun again, right? It's February. It's cold. Oh, I'm cold. Oh. Chilly, chilly, chilly. Uh, 1861. The sailors aboard the USS Housatonic report what seems to be... <laughs> A plank moving underneath the water, about 100 yards away. Hey, boys, you see that plank? Oi. Yes. Yeah, Why's that plank moving? <laughs> Why's that plank moving? Hey, who's on that plank over here? So they see the plank. And Get like, out of here. Like, what kind of plank's this? And then they're like, no, that's not a plank. That's a porpoise. A porpoise. A porpoise. What? Sorry. A porpoise. A porpoise. <laughs> There's got an eye. It's, it's, all right. Okay. Porpoise. Uh, <laughs> but apparently. Porpoise. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> It became apparent very quickly it wasn't a porpoise. It was the the H.L. Henley. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's my guitar riff. That's, alar- that's epic. The, the alarm was raised, and suddenly all the sailors, they're not, it's not a plank of wood or a porpoise. It's a, it's an, it's a submarine. They all stop shooting out. Bah, 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 bah. Pew, pew. But all Aiming the, at the submarine. All the shots just bounce off harmlessly. Oh, nice. Like, um, this sounds like it's going to have a happy ending, am I? But it's too late. Oh. The torpedo connects, and in five minutes, the USS Housatonic sinks with five fatalities. The first successful maritime, the sir, the first successful submarine attack in history just took place. Oh really? So That's the first they one. They did that... it. They did it. But oh I mean, god, I, but, I knew another, that was coming. Another but. The Henley is crippled in the attack and sinks. All eight men die again. Oh god. In 2007. They need to give up on the dream, well, don't they? In 2017, researchers at Duke University, through a simulation, recreated, uh, through a simula- simulation recreation, are able to establish that it's really likely that the crew actually died 
as soon as the torpedo went off. I, do you know were, what? I, they were far closer um, to the blast than they thought they were going to be. I, there's something about a bomb on a stick that doesn't that, sit right with me. Yeah, I think because you're the... Cause if you're the one holding... You're holding the bomb stick and you're running, you're stabbing someone with the bomb on a stick. You wonder... Yeah. yeah in, you wonder, don't you? And in total, 21 men would be killed in the development of the H.L. Hunley. And how many people did they kill with it? Five? <laughs> So, you know, it's a mixed bag. Hmm. It's just a really cool That's story. That's another one which consists of a lot of dare. Yeah, but a lot of perseverance. And is that not a moral we can all... You know, I think it's a lesson we can all need more of. I know, but not if it involves that much Oh, you think throw the towel? You think you throw the towel when I think, the first five I think people the, die? When the first five people die, I think I'm just going to okay, that one didn't work. Well, I'm just gonna... I guess you're a quitter. Right, um, drawing to the latter half of the okay, podcast. Okay, guns ready. <laughs> It's quick fast time. Quick, quick round. Okay, so <laughs> number one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the, there's been a lot of parachute-related fails in history. I guess a parachute. Someone's got to be the first guy to use a parachute. Someone's got to be the first. Someone. Guy. There's got to be Mr. Parachute who went for it first. Yeah, and this one I'm about to. Oh God. Um. So I'm going to talk about the first hat parachute. Uh, essentially, a parachute. Sure, not, sure not the last. <laughs> Probably the one and only hat parachute. Uh, a, a hat attached to a parachute, for those of you. Yeah. Uh, so it was invented to use in cases where there's like a house on fire and you need to get out. Um, what? <laughs> your first what? instinct would be to Don't grab your hat parachute. What about, surely if you're going to use a parachute to escape like a, a two-story building, it's not, you need a bit more time than that. Correct me if I'm wrong about hat parachute physics. What if the hat parachute burnt in the process? Yeah, there's a lot of questions here, but go on. Um, so the first guy who tested it was the inventor. And while he was jumping out of a building, the parachute went off and he uh, snapped his neck. Oh, oh no, because at first you're like, oh, it's worked. I guess what it's worked. You haven't considered your neck. <laughs> How many times have I gone out and not considered my neck? Probably well, when I use my hat parachute, I've got neck. You've got your neck brace on, haven't you? I've got my neck brace on. Francis Stanley was testing one of his steam-powered automobiles and swerved to miss some farm animals and he, and he <laughs> ploughed into a wood pile and died. <laughs> <laughs> That's sad. Yeah. Okay, this is a this is a good one, I think. Um, so... So, was it, I was going to say Mariah Carey, but Mary Curie. Mary Curie. I don't think Mariah Carey invented no. radium. Something speaks to me, so that's not true. Uh, Mary Curie, the Polish, I think she was Polish, um, scientist, um, discovered radium. And um, it was used commercially in a lot of products. And one man consumed so much radium, marketed as a bottle to help you with sexual performance yeah um, he drank 15 bottles my of man, it my man he, he obviously needed a lot of help <laughs> um, and his jaw ended up falling off I think um, you know you might look at that condescendingly I've got to say from a, the fellas you man's got to do what man's got to do sometimes your jaw's going to fall off if, if it's <laughs> it's, it's going to happen it's, it's, a, it's risk and reward isn't it you've got to do a cost benefit analysis yeah and sometimes your jaw is going to fall off and you've got, you got to take that yeah he obviously did a list of pros and cons and he thought his jaw wasn't worth it man 15 bottles 15 bottles of oh, fi- oh one five of sex juice sex juice poison radioactive glow like bright bright uh, bright green 
it makes that noise. Yeah, like yeah. Fifteen, please. Neon green bottle of yeah. Let me have fifteen bottles of these. <laughs> right. Um. Okay. A machine that answers the phone. Oh, easy. Yeah. Great. Genius. I need that one of those. Except. Wait. Hang on. Sorry. Okay. Surely, if a machine answers the phone for you, you're gonna miss the phone call. So I'm assuming the you receive a phone call. Yeah. It's it looks like a human. This thing. It's it's got um, it's like a robot. Right. It, it's very human-like. Rather, okay. very creepy if you look at a photo. Right. So hang on. So I really don't understand what this does. It. Your phone's ringing, yeah. and the robot essentially picks up <laughs> the phone. No, that's so dumb. Yeah. That's so dumb. Except, what if, what it, if, hang on. Sorry. It couldn't talk. <laughs> it couldn't play a greeting, and it couldn't record the caller's voice. So that's really, I, so I mean. really, it was more like a phone picking up machine. And you just missed the phone. That's what I mean. It's like, what if you don't want to pick up the phone? Yeah. What, yeah. You say you're you're, miss, you're dodging calls from someone, and it just picks up stony silence. <laughs> you're in trouble. Yeah, it was. That's why it made it onto oh, the list. I, mean, I keep forgetting we're talking about bad inventions. Right. Okay. The next one. Um, baby cage. <laughs> Oh, everyone so, the baby. Everyone's seen that picture of the baby cage. Yeah, so designed. Put it in the baby cage, boys. Baby cage. You can put a baby cage. Baby cage. Baby cage. <laughs> you can tell if someone's been put in a baby yeah, cage. Yeah, they have a faraway look in their eye. <laughs> Thousand yards there. Um, so it was designed to. Um, it was in cage the cage babies. Yeah, in the 1930s. Um, families who lived in high-rise buildings. I mean, there wasn't a lot of high-rise buildings, but there were... The one family that lived in a high-rise uh, building yeah. needed one baby and cage. they there. were concerned with them not getting enough fresh air, so it would be a cage that would stick out of the building. No, Can you imagine? Yeah, you know what that I've looks like? I've seen the picture. I, I just can't believe that anyone ever thought that was a good idea. Because I it's, know. It, it's not like you see, oh, you're basically been... putting your child out the window. <laughs> it's a, I said no, no way. That can't have been. A, that can't have caught. That can't have been like widespread. That cannot. I refuse to believe that. It might. I refuse it to might. believe the night those people were that silly. Mm. Well, I think that if hmm. far more infant mortality <laughs> had the baby cage, because the baby cage was what? <laughs> Why are you speaking like Yoda? <laughs> baby cage right okay but like, I'm gonna end on a good one I'm gonna end on yep. gonna end. Yeah, cool. cigarette holder oh yeah okay yeah right. cool that's fine yeah um, it could it, a cigarette holder that could hold a whole packet of cigarettes what like a big like a mould like so a it's, a, it's essentially a long pipe with 15 no tell me 20 cigarettes in the I packet? think it can depend 20 cigarettes and you can smoke them all at once <laughs> In one go. It must be really unpleasant. And so you light them all up, um, <laughs> and you could just inhale all twenty cigarettes oh, no. in one smoking session. Um, it didn't kick off. The man for people on the go. I think excess nicotine causes violent vomit, vomiting, <laughs> dizziness, and severe headache. This invention did not didn't, did, did not last. That's in, the, that's in the blooper reel, is it? But yeah, man, that's a funny one. Right, so we are we're fresh out of time. Look at the time. Thank you so much. Did for... you enjoy your cocoa? Did you enjoy it? It's, it's gone cold now. Oh, you didn't even finish it. Oh, it's fi- oh. really expensive. Get, get out of get here. Out. Get out of here. The rain's stopped now. Get out. Uh, no, but thank you very much for joining <laughs> us on this uh, this sojourn. Our first. Our first episode. Hopefully, hopefully not the last. Well, unless we fall out as we like walk out the, walk out the door, isn't it? Maybe you'll trip me up and I'll as we do again. But um. No, I no. won't be doing okay, that. Okay, cool. So we'll, we'll be back next week then, won't we? Thank you so much, Jim. Yeah. Uh, for us, for doing the work. We I did think it. 
I've cried a lot on Yeah, thanks me. Thanks you. And um, uh, thank you for listening. Appreciate it. And tune in next week, maybe yeah. for our next episode. Oh, don't forget, you can follow us on our social media. So far, we've got the Instagram. Thanks for everyone who has um, shared shared that and and commented and been liking away. The inbox is completely a, a wash. For those of you that don't follow with, it, it's uh, um, the worst podcast official. official. Not to be confused with all the unofficial worst podcasts. They're a real problem. Yeah. We need to clamp down on those. Im- just trying to just imitate us. Just stop pretending to be us. You never We're will. the worst podcast. Yeah. Not you. Not you. You're better than us. Sit down. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks very much. Yeah. And we'll uh, see you next week. Thank you.